Today's edition of the Derek Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Life Change Tea. Why go to GetTheTea.com? Because this important news could change your life. Socrates made a statement saying that all disease starts in the gut. Take care of your gut, and well, the rest speaks for itself. Life Change Tea is a wonderful way to aid in your digestion. Brew it, steep it, drink it, and feel it go to work. We at Life Change Tea have been around for years helping people just like you feel better. Lots of testimonials and lots of happy people. Log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. GetTheTea.com. All righty. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the, what the hell is it? It's the 8th of February. 8th of February. Good God. 8th of April. 2022. I know it's Friday that much I've got down. Everything else, screw it. I'm completely lost. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Epic program for you today as we get ready to send you off into the weekend. Appreciate you listening. Spreading the word, sharing, telling a friend, rating, reviewing on iTunes if you get the chance. Just, you know, going up there and writing a couple of words saying, uh, be cool, man. Like, do drugs and listen to this show. Probably not the best endorsement, but you you get the idea. Anyway, I appreciate the use of your ears. Hopefully, you have a great weekend ahead of you, and hopefully that involves the Week in F and Review at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast and entering to win the copy of the signed book either by Adam Carolla or Dana Perino, whichever floats your boat, whatever you want. You just uh, fleur-de-lis. Isn't that what it was from uh, L.A. Confidential? Anyway, it is going to be a good show this weekend because there's so much to get to and I couldn't get to everything in today's show. I'm just not... It'd be five hours long. So these little freak nuggets are going to get what's coming to them tomorrow or tonight at midnight. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. Five bucks a month is all I ask of you, please. All right, let's get on with the show. A lot's going on in the world. Uh, insanity, craziness, liberalism in general. I will start uh, because the uh, email response. The vomit update. There's been no more vomiting, thankfully. So this morning I made sure that when she woke up, if she was she didn't even get a chance to say she was hungry. I was shoving food in her mouth. She didn't throw up again yesterday, so I knew that was a good sign. So Bailey is uh, seemingly doing better. I don't know what the problem is. It might have been that she was just overly hungry, if that's even possible, and drank too much water to fill her stomach. Who knows? But I shan't make that mistake again. All right, so we've got a lot going on in the world. We've got the White House giving out phones, cell phones to illegal aliens. Does the government give you a phone? Has the government ever given you a phone? There's something about Democrats and wanting to give out really expensive technology because they're not paying for it. It doesn't cost them directly anything. It's somebody else's money. I would, I've said it before. I would be the, the world's greatest philanthropist should I have unlimited access to other people's money. And that also includes future generations' credit cards, Right? I would just be, my God, I would be like the most, I'd be the coolest uncle and greatest father. My kids would be spoiled like you wouldn't believe, but uh, that's just how the world would be. Like, oh, you want that? Well, sure. It doesn't matter to me. Here's, you know, Bill Gates's black Amex card. Why not? Let's go to town. He doesn't even notice that I'm using the damn thing. That's how liberals are with our tax dollars. So we'll get to that. We've got an, un- of course, CNN. 
CNN, it has to suck to work at CNN. You have to find something to be outraged over. No matter how stupid it is, no matter how dumb it is, no matter how niche it is, it's just, well, we've got now CNN+. Plus. Poor Brian Stelter. He was not capable as a human being to do one hour of television a week. Now he's got to do probably six. I don't know. I assume his show on CNN Plus is an hour long. Maybe it's not. I'm not a subscriber. I will never be a subscriber. I never subscribe to any of those things. I advise anybody not to subscribe to any of those things. You only encourage more of what is making us dumber as a society. So, uh, yeah, but he's got to somehow find a way to fill six hours of television. And so they went and got, like, the world's unfunniest comedian who had a big think piece about the Grammys. Because, you know, people can't stop talking about the Grammys, right? Did you even know the Grammys were last weekend? I bet you didn't know the Grammys were last weekend. Barely anybody watched the Grammys. It was their lowest-rated broadcast forever. But... The uh, Uncle Fester over there at CNN doesn't want to talk about the Hunter Biden story. He's supposed to be talking about, you know, media and journalism. And uh, you would think that the two major newspapers in the country, liberal as the day is long, coming out and saying, ah, shucks, I guess, yeah, the Hunter Biden laptop story, that's legit. Now, you'd think that would be the, uh, the steaming pile of poop that they have to eat to come out uh, 17 months later and admit that those that that's real, that those stories have been real, you'd think would be of interest to somebody whose beat, as it were, is to cover the media. But nope, you would be wrong. The, uh, the weeble over there doesn't work that way. So we've got some audio of this unfunny comedian complaining that Louis C.K. won a Grammy. Louis C.K. won a Grammy because he's probably the funniest comedian who had an album out last year. That's why he won a Grammy. They never complained, by the way, like Hillary Clinton. Did you know that Hillary Clinton is a Grammy winner? You know that uh, I'm pretty, I think Michelle Obama is a Grammy winner too. You know, you're sitting there going, for what? What the hell? Well, they give about 6,000 Grammys away every year. In a, in a desperate attempt to try and seem relevant and stay relevant, they uh, they expand categories and try and make themselves hipper and popular, and they do the uh, audiobook Grammy. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard Hillary Clinton read Hillary Clinton, but my God, what torture is that? Uh, but she won a Grammy for it. Michelle Obama reading Michelle Obama. She won a Grammy for that, too. <laughs> it's so pathetic, these people. Just say, all right, well, here's uh, this year's Democrat is uh, Hillary Clinton. Congratulations, Hillary. I can't wait for the uh, Reverend Dr. Jill Biden to win her Grammy. Her book will be a pop-up book because she's not particularly bright and she wants Joe to be able to understand it. And Joe is dumber than she is. Not by a lot, but still. And so uh, she'll have to find a way to create a new category to give her a Grammy. But... Anyway, neither here nor there. We'll get to that in a second. But I want to start off with Elon Musk news and Twitter news. Not about you know him joining the board. We've already covered that. The reaction to it. Now, Elon Musk is no way, shape, or form a conservative, a right-winger. But they have, they meaning the left, have started to do what? They have started to refer to him as such because he's not of the left 
And what I mean is he is actually of the left probably about 90% of the time. But when it comes to free speech, he's a, a free speech purist, seemingly. I don't know the man. But he seems to think that people, and this is scary as hell, that in 2022, this is a novel concept in the United States of America, but hey, that's where we are. He is one of those people who says, I don't care what somebody has to say, damn it, they have the right to say it. <laughs> it seems that when Elon Musk took his citizenship test, he read the Constitution and he took it seriously, particularly the uh, the Bill of Rights. He took that seriously. The horror that nothing horrifies leftists more than anybody who takes the Constitution seriously, who has a platform, who has an audience, who has the potential for influence over other people. Horrifies, horrifies leftists. So they're going nuts. They're beside themselves now that he is on the board of Twitter. You don't understand how close to absolute control over the conversation in this country the left was. They were very close to having absolute control. Twitter had started blocking people. I've been shadow banned. I know a lot of people who have been shadow banned. I know people that I follow who just don't really show up. Like every third tweet shows up in my timeline. Like I follow this person. Why the hell is that happening? Because Twitter doesn't want you to see these things. They don't have a way to counter these opinions. They don't have a way to dispute these facts. They simply seek to deny an audience to them. It's easier that way, too. And now that is being threatened. They were very, very close. They had purged the former president. They had purged people like James O'Keefe's project. They had purged a lot of people and a lot of organizations that were spreading inconvenient things. They have blamed, blocked the New York Post when they had the, uh, the story about Hunter Biden's laptop originally. They had right on the cusp of creating the world they desperately wanted, where only they were allowed to speak. And now Elon Musk buying up 9.2% of Twitter and getting a seat on the board threatens that. And so they hate him. God, they hate him. They always hated him anyway, for various reasons. I've had my issues with Elon Musk in the past. I've written negatively about him, and I stand by what I've written. He's gotten a lot of government subsidies. I don't think he should have gotten those government subsidies, but, you know, the horse has left the barn on that one. Suddenly, the idea of subsidizing so-called green companies bothers the left, which is kind of funny. You're going to hear in this clip, in this series of clips, one of the swipes that this guy, I mean, he's, I've featured him before. He's a regular on MSNBC. Uh, Anand, An Ananand Giratis. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I don't care how to pronounce his name. He's, uh, he's just got uh, quite a, a hairdo. And he's got thin skin. Hairdo and a thin skin. I don't know that I've ever been particularly critical of him, but I know I've been critical of him on Twitter, and he's blocked me because he's got incredibly thin skin, which is funny considering that he's essentially just a character assassin for the progressive movement. 
But he was on Joy Reid's show talking about Elon Musk, the two of them. Neither of them are happy. And let me just give you a little pro tip here. If people like Anand and Joy Reid are unhappy, that's because it's good. there's good news for America. There's good news for liberty. There's good news for the United States. That's what makes them unhappy. So when they're unhappy, you should be happy. Uh, we've got uh, how many clips? We've got five of these clips going through in order. Let's listen to the first one. Compare Justin Trudeau to Hitler. He was sued for defamation for calling a British cave diver pedo guy. Like, he's not exactly, like, I don't know, your thoughts on him now basically being Twitter's biggest owner. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, glad you brought up Winners Take All, because although there was 300 pages of book there, there was really one simple idea buried in that 300 pages, which is that we live in this moment in which the arsonists are cosplaying as firefighters. The people who cause our greatest social problems, global problems, are trying to con us into thinking not only that they're okay, but that they are the solution to the problems they've caused. They've caused. There's, now, I want to stop it there because he's describing Democrats <laughs> to a T. He is describing Dem- Let me give you two examples. There are plenty of examples. They designed the tax system as convoluted as it is. And when they say, oh, we need to reform the tax system, we're going to change the tax system. Why? Because it's wildly unfair. Well, you, you created it. All these loopholes, these lo- you put them in there. But look at Obamacare. Look at health care. What did we hear? Well, we need Obamacare. It's going to fix our health care system. They just marked the uh, 12th. And it tells you how desperate they are to associate uh, Joe Biden with Barack Obama. It was the 12th anniversary of the signing of Obamacare. Like Nobody celebrates the 12th anniversary, but they needed an excuse to bring Obama in. The 10th anniversary, Joe Biden wasn't president. The 15th anniversary, Joe Biden might not be on this earth. But uh, the 12th, all right, let's do the 12th. Why? Because it's right before a midterm. So let's try and get some of that Obama magic. <laughs> but Obamacare was supposed to fix the health care system. Now, why was the health care system broken? Well, because in the 80s and 90s, Democrats had pushed through various pieces of legislation, largely spearheaded by uh, Uncle Rapey there, Ted Kennedy, champion of women hero to progressives ted kennedy where he'd created amongst other things hmos health maintenance organizations that was a kennedy baby <laughs> a legit one on that uh, not the ones that they deny and pay off secretly with offshore accounts but it was a legit kennedy idea hmos well by the time of obamacare what happened well, actually, it was in the 80s that they created them. And then in the 90s, they tried Hillary Care. That didn't work. But it was an argument that HMOs are so evil and the healthcare system is so messed up that we've got to take over it. It didn't work. The American public said no and threw out Democrats, threw Democrats out of office in mass for the first time in 40 years. Then Obama comes along and says, we need to fix this healthcare system. It's awful. It's terrible. It's horrible. It's just the worst. But Democrats had designed it. You need to fix what Democrats had broken, fix what Democrats had made. They didn't focus on that. They didn't talk about that very much at all. Then they did it and said, look, we fixed the health care problem. Now what are we hearing? And what have we been hearing pretty much ever since Obamacare became law? We need to fix the health care system. That's the only way to do it. We've got to fix the health. Well, why? You just so-called fixed it. 
It is Democrats, as Adand was whining about, talking about problems they create, saying only they can fix it. They are the cosplayers. Need another example? Look at immigration. Look at the immigration system. The idea of chain migration was brought to you by uh, Ted Kennedy, none other than that, and Anchor Babies, brought to you by Ted Kennedy in the 1960s. Yes, baby. Then, in the 1980s, in a bad deal with Ronald Reagan, Democrats promised that they would seal the border, they would secure the border in exchange for amnesty for the illegals here, about three million of them. And they did it. They got it. They got that deal. That was going to be it. And it didn't work. And what have we been hearing ever since? Because they didn't actually secure the border. They just wanted the amnesty. They refused to hold up their end of the bargain. What did we get instead? We've gotten three decades of, we have a broken immigration system. We have a broken immigration. We must fix it. In reality, the immigration system isn't broken. It's not being enforced. If you take half the gears or even 10% or one gear out of an intricate watch or clock, if anybody even knows what a non-digital clock or watch is anymore, but if you take one gear out of it, it's not going to work. If you don't enforce the immigration laws, all of them, as they're written, meaning throwing these illegal aliens out of the country immediately, meaning the idea that, oh, you want asylum, I'm sorry, but this is not how you, you don't get to march 2,000 miles into the United States and claim asylum. Asylum laws require you to seek it in the nearest safe country, the first safe country you come to, you walk through about five of them to get here. Sorry, you're out. And oh, by the way, economic opportunity is not a reason to get asylum, period. You want to enforce the laws like that, then we don't have an immigration problem. But Democrats have created one so that they can offer a solution. And that solution, they could fix any of the problems that are actually in the law, all they'd have to do is fix them. But they want the poison pill of amnesty and a pathway to citizenship to do anything. You imagine, I'll do the right thing only if I get my way. That's extortion, right? So when (coughs) Anand, whatever the hell his name is, whines that it is uh, conservatives, it is free speech advocates who are creating problems and then offering to solution. them. Cosplay as firefighters, arsonists cosplaying as firefighters. I think he needs to find a reflective service, judge, surface. Judging by his hair, it's been a while since he's seen one. And I say, I say that with full knowledge of what my hair looks like. I can still say that because it's, it's truer for him. So now that we've established where the uh, the MSNBC gang that couldn't think straight is coming from, and they really they really just hate Elon Musk. How dare he? They're so close to utopia, so close to utopia, so close to having absolute control over everybody and every discussion that is allowed to take place in the United States of America online. And you sit there and you go scoff. I don't even have a Twitter account. Whatever. It's true. More people don't have a Twitter account than do have a Twitter account. It's not about who. It's Well, it's, it's not about how many. It is about who. The people on Twitter. Twitter, sadly, pathetically, if you wonder you know, what is going on with our 
news today and why news sucks so bad, you're looking at the Twitterfication of news. If it trends on Twitter, if uh, you know, I've read you a couple of stories, a bunch of stories actually, where they're only citing like five Twitter accounts with a total number of followers of maybe 17 people. And you're like, how the hell is is this news? Why does it warrant news? Some on Twitter respond negatively. to it. Well, it's because the authors or the institution, whatever, they have their own opinions on a story, but they can't just write, everybody sucks. They have to go, all right, well, I know you, I know we all agree that all Republicans suck. Why don't you find five tweets saying Republicans suck and then write it because of that, write it through that. It's the same way in my book I wrote about the comedians, so-called late-night comedians, The Daily Show and Colbert and all of that, where they, every single day, it seems less so now, <clears throat> but when Jon Stewart was the host of The Daily Show and Stephen Colbert mattered, which it doesn't really, occasionally they, they write him up, but every morning... You could find, and the same thing with John Oliver, who does a show, really awful, preachy, left-wing show on HBO every Sunday night. You could count on Monday morning, there would be Newsweek, there would be Time, there would be U.S. News and World Report, there would be all these left-wing rags with their pieces, John Oliver destroys Republican this or destroys this or whatever it is, whatever the main crux of the sermon that John Oliver gives on that Sunday night would be a quote-unquote news story come Monday morning. And people were wondering, why the hell are they writing this up? It's not news, what some British comedian thinks isn't news. Samantha B has a show like once a she's got seven six days to plan to be funny for twenty two minutes and she can't do it. That's how unfunny Samantha B is. But she's got a complete she's got a show that will go on forever on TBS because the executives over at TBS are woke. And they say, well we'll just have her on there. She gets no ratings. Literally nobody's watching. There's less than like uh, less than two hundred thousand people, which is embarrassing. She's the lowest rated so-called comedian show on television, and yet she gets multi-year extensions because, I don't know, maybe she's the executives for TBS live in the same Manhattan neighborhood where Samantha Bee and her husband fight endlessly and uh, feverishly and victoriously so far to try and keep minority kids out of their elite public schools there in uh, Manhattan. Yeah, look it up. <laughs> Look it up, it's true. Anyway, they uh they write these stories up about ooh, Samantha B went after this or John Stewart said the other thing and you're like Okay, why? Well it's because the reporters and the editors at these news organizations would love to just write a piece that my God, Republicans suck. But they can't write well, they couldn't write. They've had a, a thinner veneer, a thin veneer of objectivism, objectivity in their uh, reporting back then. They don't anymore, which is why they don't report on it. They don't need to report on it anymore. They can just do it themselves. But they would report on it because that was the way that they could write their Republican suck piece. They'd use Jon Stewart, Stephen Colbert, uh, Trevor Noah. They'd use John Oliver, whoever it was, Samantha Bee, as a delivery device for what they really wanted to say. 
Now they don't have to anymore. Now they can just write it, write in, weave it directly into any news story about my and my God, Republicans are terrible. Holy cow, conservatives are evil, and just move on. Just state it as a matter of fact. Read some of these outlets, some of these news magazines, and you'll see what I'm talking about. That's what they do. That's where they are now. That's why they've stopped reporting on these comedy shows. So uh, anyway, that was a little bit of a tangent. Now we get back to Adnand, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, I don't care how to pronounce his name, and Joy Reid whining about Elon Musk. More attacks on Elon. So look at Musk. Musk uh, has built his business to government subsidies years ago, and now turns around, stiffs the government on taxes, and, and explains how inefficient government spending is, and he can do everything better privately in space and elsewhere. Now, I... I sit there and I have written about the subsidies that built Elon Musk's business. I agree. We should not have subsidized him. The horse has kind of left the barn on that one, but we can still close the door and cut off subsidies, all other subsidies. The left doesn't want to do that. They want, they want their friends subsidized. They want subsidies. I would suspect that Anand had started something called the Inc. or something like that, some website blog. And I assume that he would absolutely love some sort of government money subsidized uh, subsidy or loan or whatever because of his skin color. I'm sure he would absolutely welcome that with open arms. He just doesn't like the tax code as written by Democrats favoring somebody he doesn't like. Now, if Elon Musk changes his stripes, he'll start liking him again. He'll start liking him again big time. But you got to love the audacity of somebody sitting there going, well, he says the private sector can do it more efficiently. Has the private sector done space travel more efficiently? Well, yes, they have. <laughs> yeah, so much so that NASA, our government, isn't even sending men into space anymore. Now, Russia apparently is not going to, or is said, or is farting around about we're not going to take part in the uh, International Space Station anymore. Fine, who cares? But uh, less less vodka spills up there. But that does mean that we as a country are going to have to come up with an alternative route into space since Barack Obama killed NASA. And that route is the one that works the best is SpaceX from Elon Musk. I would say it's much more efficient than... Because if, if NASA, to save money stops the space shuttle program and stops launching people into space, but then contracts with somebody who does it for much more money, well, maybe government would do that. But I'm even pretty sure that NASA wouldn't have done that, right? In this circumstance, that wouldn't make any sense. Or somebody would have pointed it out by now. Hey, NASA stopped spending a billion dollars sending people to space and instead is sending $5 billion contracting to send people to space. See, that, that'd be a catchy headline. And especially now that the left hates Elon Musk, they definitely would have written that. They haven't. So that makes you think that actually Elon Musk is doing things better, much like every other aspect of life, the private sector does it better and more efficiently than the government does. Oh, the one, the one area that the left always cites for so-called government efficiency is Medicare. It's bizarre. It's a weird thing to, to cite. 
They say, oh, Medicare. See, the private health insurance, the overhead costs, the administrative costs for private health insurance, this is what they always say, this is why health care costs so much. It's not. It's, it's, a, it's certainly a, a small factor. Everything is a small factor, but a much, much, much bigger factor would be uh, the medical malpractice insurance that doctors have to pay. And every third commercial you see on television where it's some lawyer telling you they'll sue anybody who's ever wronged you in any way, shape, or form, that causes much more headache and expense in the medical field than the uh, than the uh, administrative costs are. But there are administrative costs. You have to pay somebody. You have to keep the paperwork. You have to keep the records up to date. So you've got to pay people for that. It takes time. So that does add to the cost. And they say, well, the private sector spends between uh, 10 and 12% on administrative costs, whereas Medicare only spends 3%. The government is way more efficient. And that's a lie, by the way. Let me tell you, as a former health policy analyst, I can explain it to you pretty easily. The government forces the doctors to cover, to do all the administrative work. They're to do 99% of the administrative work. Whereas in the private sector, the doctors keep their own records and they need to then bill the insurance companies, right? And the insurance companies got to make sure that those records jive with everything. It's the way a business runs. In government, which is a huge payer when it comes to healthcare in this country through Medicare and Medicaid, they say, you do all of it. You do all of it. We'll do just a tiny little, we'll do the data entry for all the work that you've done, but you take care of all of it. And you think, well, that's pretty efficient, but it's not pretty efficient. It's a false efficiency. You're shoving the compliance costs, the administrative costs onto doctors, onto hospitals. What does that also do? Aside from, you know, quote unquote, saving the government money, which it really doesn't, it opens you up to fraud. If you have just enough people to sort of spot check something that is spending uh, three quarters of a trillion dollars a year, and you got enough to just maybe spot something particularly egregious, even though you don't really spot, because you, you hear news stories all the time of massive hundreds of millions of dollars of fraud in Medicare, right? And it went on for years, and you sit there, how could nobody notice that? Well, it's because they're not paying attention, because Medicare doesn't do its own administrative work. It outsources it. It forces the doctors to do it. If you're an unscrupulous doctor and you recognize that you're going to just, if you submit bills to Medicare and they're just going to pay them, because it goes back to it's Bill Gates' black Amex card, they don't care. They don't check. They just pay them automatically. And then maybe in a random spot check, they might catch you five, 10 years down the road while you're sipping tequila on the Bahamas, on a beach in the Bahamas. You can see why people engage in so much fraud and how it gets away, how they get away with it. Because you sit there and you go, how the hell could one strip mall in southern Florida have a doctor's office that bills Medicare $3 billion over a decade, and they have no real patience. How does that work? How does that happen? It's not because, oh, geez, you know, these criminals are so crafty. No, it's because these criminals notice that we're having to do all the paperwork, and we just submit anything, and Medicare pays us. 
Maybe they come back later and say, hey, what you didn't really do this treatment. And they say, oh, well, sorry, that was an, an input, a clerical error. Sorry about that. And then we refund that money. Uh, but we'd had it for however long and we'd spent it, whatever. But we'd gotten away with it and they probably didn't catch all the other stuff that they did. And some get really ballsy and go all out and go, you know what? Let's just create people. Let's look at old patients that we have who are still alive but haven't come in in a while, and let's just bill them. Nobody really checks. Very few people really check their bills, their statements. Let's do it, and the money will come rolling in, or even worse, more unscrupulous in, in high-crime areas where you've got, look, criminals get old too. You've got elderly people who are on fixed incomes, and you say, look, we're going to, if you let us bill Medicare for $15,000 worth of treatment, we'll handle whatever treatment it is. We'll, we'll make up whatever treatment it is. We'll find $15,000. You will use your Social Security card, your Social Security number, your Medicare number, all that. We'll do that. We'll give you $5,000. You get 5000 We get ten. You're on a fixed income. That becomes appealing, doesn't it? You can do that and get away with it for exceedingly long periods of time and in most cases, honestly, indefinitely, because the government shoves all the administrative work into the private sector. They don't pay attention to it. They don't care. It's somebody else's money. It's, it's so much money that it's mythical at this point. Anyway, it's like a Pegasus. Like, yeah, I know. Flying horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. That's what happens with government. So when these people on MSNBC are whining about Elon Musk and, oh, he can go into space more efficiently, I say, you're damn right he can. The private sector can do any and every damn thing more efficiently than the government. That's kind of the the essence of liberalism is they believe the opposite. I know a lot of people are like, hey, I didn't tune into this to uh, hear a history lesson or an accounting lesson of how the government sucks. Well, you know, you get the bonus plan. That's what differentiates this show, I'd say, from others, aside from my stunning good looks and uh, charming wit, is the fact that I've actually done these jobs. You know, I can speak from from knowledge. I don't need a team of uh, people pulling my strings. Uh, Anyway, the uh, discussion between someday i'm gonna to have to learn how to pronounce this guy's name or he's just gonna to have to change it to bob anon blagadess and uh, joy reed whining about elon musk continues now you gotta love that you know you've uh you've you're over the target when the leftists break out that he's a racist he's a ra- now I, I love what Elon Musk is turning these, exposing these people as being. They're not turning them into anything. This is who they are. This is who they always are. Uh, but the Elon Musk, Tesla is, you know, a status symbol, even amongst leftists, to have a Tesla. It lets you know you care. But they have to turn on Elon Musk now because he bought Twitter. He's buying chunks of Twitter. And so he's a racist. He has to be a racist, period, end of story. Elon Musk has more money than God. A quarter of a trillion dollars is his net worth. Actually, north of a quarter of a trillion dollars is his net worth. He spent like $3 billion on uh, Twitter and didn't even notice that it was gone. That's how rich he is. And that's how insignificant compared to his net worth Twitter is. He could buy the whole damn thing. I would love that. But that means that he could employ an army of, of lawyers. You just heard somebody there accuse Elon Musk of being a racist. Without any proof, it just did. 
and say, oh, he, he wants to, he misses his apartheid South Africa upbringing. That's not who Elon Musk is. He should sue. Even if it goes nowhere, even if it's, well, you're a public citizen, whatever, a, a public figure, you can sue anyway. It would cost Anand money, and you keep suing, and you keep suing, and you keep costing Anand money. If you want to play this game, Anand, then let's do it. You want to poke the bear, and after the bear has already growled at you and said, leave me alone, then then sue him. Sue him. Treat him the way liberals in Congress treat conservatives. Oh, you got to lawyer up. It'll ju- you didn't do anything, but we're going to break you financially anyway. Return the favor, Elon. Sue these people. So after basically accusing, I really do. I hope Elon Musk sues. I just hope, I hope that they uh, that he sues everybody because he can. What's he, for years, the left has been using the power of government to make conservative and Republicans' lives miserable. Well, we'll keep dragging them above uh, in front of the special counsel, Mueller. Mueller. Well, we need to keep talking to you. Why? We just do. We hope that you break down and give us something. Well, there's nothing to give. No, no, no. Keep coming. You got to keep going. And each time you got to get a lawyer. You're coming before Congress. Okay. Why? Because we want to cover the same ground that we've covered before. And you got to hire a lawyer that's, you know, $1,000 an hour. And they've got to do prep work for that. And that's going to be a lot of money. And you, suddenly you're going to end up broke. And that's really what the objective is. The Jamie Raskins of the world, they recognize they're evil people. They're evil people. And they go, we can ruin these people. Let's just ruin them. Can you imagine that guy being your dad? How horrible would that life be? But you sit there and you go, all right, we got to do something. We got to do something. And I got to, because they're just setting up perjury traps. That's why they keep dragging people in. You got to have a lawyer there. So you can sit there and remind you. Because if you say, well, it was one uh, thirty in the afternoon on Tuesday the 12th. And then you go the next time. It was at, uh, I think it was 1 o'clock on the, the Tuesday the 12th. And they said, well, there's a discrepancy in your testimony. We're going to have to maybe pursue uh, or instruct or request the Justice Department pursue some sort of perjury investigation into you. And that's really what they do. Maybe not that petty, but that's what they do. That's why you should never talk to law enforcement anymore, sadly, because uh, they have weaponized it politically. If you're at all remotely involved in politics or protests or whatever, do not speak to anybody in law enforcement because they're out to get you. They'll get you for a they can't get you for storming the Capitol, but they can get you for lying to a federal agent. Now, Democrats can lie to federal agents left and right. Because why not? But uh, no, you can't uh, can't lie to a federal agent uh, if you're a a conservative, or you can't even be wrong to a federal agent. It's pathetic. So I'd like to see that favor returned, not by the government, because Republicans don't have the uh, the guts to do it. But it would be nice if they did. Uh, but by Elon Musk, who could do it? He's actually got money. <laughs> he actually has money as opposed to the government, which is deep, deep, deep in debt. So next, we uh, they continue over there at MSNBC because they really, really hate Elon Musk. Uh, and on social media, to the point of, of your intro, he has been charged by the SEC with misleading investors and paid millions in fines. Uh, he's more than that an embodiment of what I would say is Twitter's biggest strategic problem, which is a hostile 
cruel, uh, dangerous mm-hmm. online environment, especially for women, especially for people of color, women of color in particular. Ask anybody if you don't, if that's not your experience of it, ask someone who might oh, know. Oh, it is. And mm-hmm. Musk embodies that bullying. Oh, that bullying. Now you got, I wanted this clip because I, and Anand, Anand, I think that's, I'm, I'm pretty settled on his first name being Anand, A-N-A-N-D. Anand's like, does what the, is the liberals' favorite pastime. They separate and segregate. God bless them, Democrats love segregation. And then they go into the sub-segregation. A hostile environment, especially for marginalized blah, blah, blah. And then particularly marginalized women, but then especially extra double, especially women of color. Like, whoa, you're really, you're really taking that microscope down to 10x, aren't you there, pal? Like, discri- <laughs> there's discrimination, but you can't acknowledge all discrimination. You can't, look, yeah, women have it bad, but especially women of color, and in particular, trans women of color. And you sit there and you go, what the hell? What is, why do you have to go down to that level? Because each time you go down further, you sort of go, yeah, who cares about the group that we just left behind? And it's because the left doesn't like to acknowledge or doesn't like to they have to include women because they've pretended to give a damn about women for a very long time and that women in general means white women so they go all right white women blah 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 but then they got to go immediately and scalpel out the white women but women in general women women are horribly oppressed and and attacked on twitter especially women of color I go, right, there, we just exercised those ugly white women over those evil, evil white women who benefit from white privilege. We've just, we acknowledge them, but then we cut them out. And we throw the Asians in with them too, but we don't talk about that. And then they go, but I got to go even further because it's not woke enough yet. So especially black women or especially women of color, in particular, trans women of color. You're like, whoa, wait, that's really, really, really down low. Especially in particular and most definitely left-handed trans women of color. They are perhaps the most marginalized. And you, you sit there and you go, this is a woke-off right now. They're, you're just, this is a complete and total woke-off. That's where we are in society is I'm more oppressed than you. And then it's like, no, 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 please pick me. I want to be the most oppressed. I want to have the sunshine on me. And the left is, you know, if, when it comes to the votes of the trans women of color community, Democrats, I would say, probably get 99% of them. The problem is for them, I think it's a great thing for the rest of the country and the rest of the world, that the rest of the country is going, what the hell? What about us? And uh, you begin to see, like, basically the the Florida situation, where even Democrats are going. This is enough. This is cra- you don't you don't need to be talking to a kindergartner about sex of any sort. You don't need to be talking to a kindergartner about any of this stuff. And uh, they the left doesn't know how to deal with it because they're so used to what Anand is doing there. This one, this group, and that group, and especially this other group, and then most especially and in particular, even down further, this this group 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 and people are looking at this going what the hell are you talking about what what's wrong with you this is the antithesis of what this country is founded on and what it is supposed to be about 
And they go, no, no, no. This country is founded on racism. I'm like, no, it wasn't founded on racism. The founding of this country led directly to the end of slavery, by the way. Before a lot of the rest of the world, and oh, by the way, just uh, for fun, for gits and shiggles, the institution of slavery, the enslaving of Africans still goes on to this day in Africa. I know it's inconvenient to say, but I would, uh, the modern equivalent to the, uh, the modern largest slaver today, or responsible at least for slavery, would be Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton Jr. III, when she and Barack Obama too, and Joe Biden, when they decided that Muammar Gaddafi had to die because they didn't have the uh, underpant content to stand up to the mullahs in Iran because they wanted to cut a nuclear deal with them. So they decided, well, well, we'll pretend to care about the people of Libya, where the leadership was no threat to the United States, was not funding terror or anything like that. And then they killed Gaddafi or led to the killing of Gaddafi um, and created the failed state that is Libya now. And it is a failed state where they have open air slave markets. That was brought to you by Democrats. They don't talk about it anymore. You don't hear much about Libya in the news, but you can buy human beings in Tripoli. You can buy them and you can abuse them. You can beat them. You own them. You can do whatever the hell you want with them. And that was brought to you by Democrats. They don't talk about that. I wonder if Anand knows about that. I know Anand knows about that. And so does Joy Reid. They desperately don't want you to know about it. They don't want their audience to know about it. Sadly, their audience will never know about it because their audience will not ever stray from the thought plantation that the left has constructed over there on MSNBC. One last uh, little clip of Anand and Joy Reid whining about Elon Musk. That bro harassment, the pedo guy saying, you can't do that unless you're one of the world's richest people. Just call someone a pedo with no basis. And he won the case, even though he did it, because Mm -hmm. he's the world's richest guy. And so here we have now, after someone who has helped make Twitter worse every day, the arsonist, is coming back to cosplay as firefighter. He is going to be at the board seat, Joy, discussing how to make Twitter safer, how to make it better. And his agenda has been telegraphed very clearly, less control. At a moment when Twitter's greatest uh, opportunity and need is for greater control of Nazism on the platform, of doxing and brigading of women and ruining women's lives for having opinions uh, on Twitter, controlling that, he wants the opposite and they have welcomed him to their board. (laughs) <laughs> so much so much to unpack there we need at a time when twitter needs more control because of nazism you need more control because of nazism uh might i suggest that you are engaging in nazism in that quest for more control and what you want to do with it or not i get it you know you want to do this you want to he's engaging you can't just call somebody a pedo and get away with it unless you're you just called him a racist dude you just called him a racist with nothing more than the geographic location of his birth to back up your case. That was his whole evidence. He's uh, constructing a, uh, an apartheid-type uh, environment, probably because he misses it from where he grew up in South Africa under apartheid, never minding the fact that his family fled apartheid. That's beside the point. Anon says No! Anand says it's wrong and he's a racist because why? Because he was born in South Africa. That's why.
Huh. It's an interesting tidbit of information I think that somebody should probably look into to find out whether or not Elon Musk is a horrible, horrible racist because, or if everybody born in South Africa is a horrible, horrible racist because of their place of birth. And actually, that makes sense. That is sort of the progressive mindset. Listen to Democrats talk about anybody with a heavy Southern accent. Anybody white with a heavy Southern accent, I should say. They're racist. Why? Well, because they're racists. Listen, they're born in the South. My God. I, uh, I love the book, A Terrible Beauty by, uh, I think it's Mark Learshin is his name. Learshin is, is the last name for sure. Um, it's about Ty Cobb and about how everything that uh, you've heard about Ty Cobb and Ty Cobb's a horrible racist, and my God, Charles Learson. All right, just looked it up on my phone. Um, Ty Cobb is a horrible racist. Why? Because that really bad Tommy Lee Jones movie from a few years ago said so, and Ken Burns' baseball said so. Charles Learson, who's a a, a Pulitzer Prize winning or whatever, he's big time awarded journalist for fairness, real awards. He did some research. It's not true. It's simply not true. It is a lie. It is because, and Learson writes this in his book, and I recommend the book. I recommend the audio version of the book. It's excellent. Um, it's called A Terrible Beauty. Well, they part of the reason this lie stuck and was so easy to stick is, well, Ty Cobb was born in the 1880s in the South, in Georgia. Of course he was a racist. Never mind the fact that his family was a pretty long line of abolitionists. Never mind the fact that he called Roy Campanella, the black Brooklyn Dodgers catcher, the player who most resembled him, and was a big fan of Willie Mays and said many, many times on the record, easy verified, that uh, Ken Burns never bothered to do and other people never bothered to do, that of course baseball should be integrated. That black men should have the opportunity to play in Major League Baseball. It should be about whether or not they can play. That's it. But he was born in the South. He's born in Georgia. His nickname, the Georgia Peach. Oh, he beat a black man to death for looking at him sideways. He didn't. He didn't. All of these things are lies about Ty Cobb. But they're all predicated on and all based on the house of cards that is built on all these lies about Ty Cobb, around Ty Cobb, is built on where and when he was born. That's exactly what Anand is doing to Elon Musk. Where and when he was born. He was born in South Africa. Therefore, he has to be a problem. No, that's not how the world works or how it's supposed to work. Now, if you looked at Anand and you said, well, he thinks X, Y, or Z because of where he was born or his ethnicity or whatever, you would be called a racist. You would be called a racist. But he's not subjected to such things he's not subjected to those sort he's only allowed to throw the, the slings and arrows now let's see elon musk immigrated to canada he's apparently also a canadian citizen his mother was canadian looks like he moved he arrived in canada in june of 1989 
And then he moved to the United States like four or five years later. But because of where he was born geographically, Anand can call him a racist and the company he founded racist. I tell you, Anand would would probably murder his family to get his hands on a, a nice new fancy Tesla just for the virtue signal peacocking that he could do. But for the purposes of that MSNBC appearance and for his politics, he has to whine about Elon Musk being a racist, being a horrible person, being a this, being a that, being the other thing, and actually actively engaging in all of the things he's claiming Elon make Elon Musk a bad guy. Now that we're done with the audio, just want to point that out. He started off by doing this and saying all these things, and he, I told you they were the left does all of these things that they accuse others of doing. Anand on Joy Reid's show did everything he's accused in his clip Elon Musk of being, and he did it all. And there's no sense of irony and no sense of self-awareness, at least in the audience. There's no way Anand doesn't know what he's doing. Joy Reid might not pick up on it, but Anand does. There is other news besides people whining and complaining about Elon Musk. This one is something to behold, the Denver Post. This is happening everywhere. Even if you don't live in Denver, it's happened out in San Francisco, the parents. This is part of the reason why the uh, the school board election out in San Francisco didn't go very well for Democrats, for liberals, for lefties. And it's going everywhere because this is who the left is. Denver Post, <clears throat> why a Denver high school opened honors classes to all students despite pushback from parents. Huh. South High School is ending the tradition of separating honors and regular classes. This is equity, ladies and gentlemen. It is about the outcome, not about the opportunity. Every child in Denver has the chance to get into the honors classes. Um, Most don't avail themselves of it. Some simply because, frankly, not everybody's smart enough to get into an honors class, and some because they just don't apply themselves. They don't want to be in an honors class. They don't take school seriously. Uh, we've all known people that fall into both categories. Story. The students, mostly ninth graders, had just finished lunch when they arrived for fifth period, honors biology. They sat at tables in groups of three and fours and pulled out their laptops. One student rested his head on his desk. Their teacher, Nila Ali, walked in as they settled after grabbing their attention. She asked the students to open an assignment on their computer called Biome Research. They were going to spend the class, Ali explained, answering questions about the different places, about different places and their climates and wildlife. At the end of the assignment, there was an extra question asking each student to create a model, such as a flowchart to explain the relationship of the predators and the prey that lived in the biome they researched. Quote, almost all of you should get that model, the 32-year-old teacher said, adding that uh, finishing the question was the only way to earn an A on the assignment. Now imagine that, earning earning an A. But not everyone would make it that far in their work. Instead, the question was included to help students adjust to having what Ali calls honors extension. These additional questions or projects that students will have to complete in order to earn honors credit when Denver's South High School moves to its 
embedded honors program next year. In Rhode Island right now, <clears throat> one of the schools in Rhode Island is very small. You think of the state as a city, but well, the biggest school district there is thinking about, or actually they voted, the school board voted to end the advanced placement classes. Why? Because it was racist. How was it racist? Well, because throughout the city, most of the people who were in the honors program, who did well enough to get in there, were white and Asian. They don't mention the Asian very often, but that's the truth. And actually, if you want to go based on proportion of the population, which the left loves to do on everything, disproportionately this, disproportionately that, they say it all the time. Asians are overrepresented and whites are a lot of times underrepresented, but they don't really care about those sorts of things. They want to cause division. Whereas you think that merit matters and merit should matter and accomplishment matters and should matter and the ability of children to excel or not should matter, it doesn't matter to the left. Well, it does matter to the left in that they need to make sure that everybody is dumbed down. Normal people, you and I, for example, would look at a situation where, let's say, a major city, we'll just pick Denver, since we're talking about Denver, where far too many, quote unquote, white kids and Asian kids are getting into the advanced placement classes and not enough black kids. Now, it's not just one school. Denver's a fairly large city. It's a major city, matter of fact. Major cities tend to self-segregate. The school districts, various school districts, tend to be integrated to one degree or another. But there are majority black districts, majority white districts, and what have you, so on and so forth, majority Hispanic districts, just because people tend to, it's not, I know the left wants to ascribe to it, oh, my God, it's redlining, it's, it's uh, s- systemic racism, no. Democrats have made people acutely aware of their skin color and have been trying to convince them that it matters my entire life, that some people take them seriously and go, well, I don't want to live near anybody like that. I don't want to live near white people, is on Democrats, but they never want to take the credit or the blame for that. But whatever the reason, doesn't matter. They do that, which means that there are schools where they are majority black and majority white, so on and so forth. If there are not enough black students making it into the advanced placement courses, I would suggest that the problem lies in the schools, right? Because intelligence has nothing to do with skin color. Ability has nothing to do with skin color. Expectations to Democrats who dominate the teaching profession has everything to do with skin color. And so these teachers go into these environments and go, look, the black kids are never going to make it. The system's rigged against them. We need to teach them how to navigate this horribly racist system. That's what we might forget teaching them how to read and write and do math. We've got to teach them how not to get killed by police because, you know, 11 people last year were shot by police that were unarmed, most of whom were trying to fight a cop or run them over. No, 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 it's, it's systemic racism. And so the expectations, as George W. Bush put it, the soft bigotry of low expectations, there's no soft bigotry of low expectations. There is just hard bigotry 
of left-wing expectations, of progressive expectations. They are not even expectations. They are assumptions that are never attempted to be overcome. If good teachers, and there are some good teachers in these schools, if good teachers were there to inspire kids, if good teachers were there to set higher expectations for kids, kids love expectations. They love being challenged. All right, now do this. Now they can't always do it. Everybody's had some sort of math problem that they just they wanted to beat. The teacher said, nobody's going to get this thing. And you try and you try and you try and you just can't get it. For whatever reason, it's just too hard. It's something you haven't learned or whatever. Your brain, it just didn't click with you. Everybody's had that moment where you can't do one thing or another and you have to learn. You just, skill set isn't there. I tell the story all the time. When I was in 10th grade, in Al, was it? No. No, it was in ninth grade. In algebra two or one, I can't remember what it was. I, I took I took algebra way there was like introduction to algebra and then there was algebra. And I was gonna take the cheap cheater one, like introduction to algebra, and then I didn't have to try. And then my friend somebody was like, I'm taking the the one that's advanced. And I said, oh, all right, to hell with it. I'm going to take the one that's advanced too. And I got C's. And that was it. the first two card markets. I got C's. That was what I tried to do. That was what I wanted to do. I just a, a D would get me grounded for the entire card marking. And a B would get me expected to get another B. So C was just right in the sweet spot where I didn't have any expectations. I mentioned I was a loser. And so I, uh, I got the C's. And then I was one point away from a B minus. And it was because I didn't turn in the last homework assignment. And I walked up and Mr. Gerbach's sitting there and he goes, here's the, uh, your grade. He always show you the grade. Some teachers would, some teachers wouldn't. You always had an idea, but you wanted confirmation. And he showed me and I had a C plus. And he said, it was one point away. And you could see it was one point away from, from a, a B minus. And I said, huh. And he said, well, if you'd have turned in the uh, last assignment, you would have gotten, you know, even partial credit. If you'd have just done that, you would have gotten a B minus. And I said, what if I told you I could get an A? And he looked right at me and very sincerely said, I don't think you can do it. And that was it. <laughs> I was like, how dare you? And I was challenged. You're going to tell me I can't do it? All right, I'm going to show you. That was what motivated me. It's not what would have motivated everybody in the class. I got A's for the rest of the time and for the rest of my uh, high school career in math and, and geometry and all of those things because or algebra and geometry. I loved one time there was a proof that I loved proofs. God, there was a proof that took uh, 29 steps to solve. It was extra credit. It was, it was my um, goodwill hunting moment where they put it on the test. Mr. Gerbach put it on the test thinking nobody would get it, but it was just a challenge. And I was the only one who got it. Yeah. I mean, five whole bonus points for doing it, but I was so satisfied. God, I loved proofs. But I, that was what challenged me. Other people didn't need to be challenged. Other students, my peers, didn't need to be challenged. They wanted to do well already. And others, there was nothing that was ever going to make them motivated. It was far too late. Uh, they were just floating through, going to graduate and do whatever it is they do and whatever they do now. And that's part of human nature is some people will excel and other people won't. I, I've said this before. If you took all the money away from everybody, and everybody had to start over. The Bill Gateses, the Mark Zuckerbergs, the Elon Musks of the world, in probably pretty short order, would end up becoming filthy rich again. Uh, 
Why? Because becoming filthy rich and busting your ass working 80, 90, 100 hour work weeks is a drive that most people don't have. You have to have not only that drive, there are a lot of people who work that hard for nothing and fail, and you got to have a bit of luck to get past that failure, but they put in the work and the effort and they have the skill set. And other people just go, you know what? It's 15 minutes to quit in time. I'm going to drag my feet and I'm going to take my time. Can you get the drag your feet and take your time guy to work a little bit harder? Well, I think you can. I am one of those people. Uh, It worked on me. My motivation, weirdly enough, was spite. But there are other people. Teachers need to discover those motivations if they really want to. You don't sit there and say, well, these, these kids, these kids from this school are not doing well. Therefore, the system is wrong. Maybe it's the teachers. Maybe it is the system of progressivism that looks at kids based on their skin color and says, you can't do this. You can't do that. Don't even bother trying, kids. I tell you what, since so few of you are going to make it into the advanced placement courses in Denver, Colorado, we're going to eliminate the advanced placement courses to punish everybody. That way, everybody gets an equal outcome. There are people who run the race that are too fast, and we're going to put 50-pound weights on their shoulders, and everybody else gets you know a whole bunch of helium balloons tied to them. And now the race will be equitable. It'll be fair. The real problem is the failing teachers in the districts that are majority minority that are not producing kids enough to make it into the advanced placement courses. I would suspect that if you go in there with low expectations and a desire to tell those kids that they ain't getting ahead no matter what they do, don't even bother trying, that some of them, a good portion of them, many of them, if not most of them, will begin to take you seriously and go, well, then why should I try? Why should I care? What's the point? The teachers are the problems, I would say, not the children. Of course, there are some children who are smarter than others and some children who can figure things out and have more desire and drive than others, but none of that is based on skin color. The way those children are treated by the teachers, by the education system, by the school board that looks at them and says, "Uh, we need to get rid of this program because far too many white kids are doing well compared to everybody else or far too many Asians and not enough of this one and not enough of the other one. They are the ones harming those children. They are the ones holding them back. Challenge them. What do we, we used to make movies in this country about the teacher who went to what, you know, stand and deliver and lean on me. These true stories of these teachers who had kids that were, they were told you're never going to get ahead. These kids are too dumb. They're too rough. They're too whatever. And what did those teachers do? They challenged those kids. And what did those kids do? They rose to the occasion and they went on to become successes. We don't make movies like that anymore. We make movies about systemic racism and how somebody has to overcome systemic racism in their own existence. It's pathetic. It's a changing culture. We're letting, teachers are letting down the kids, not the other way around. By the way, Nancy Pelosi has COVID. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi has COVID. Did you know that? Nancy Pelosi has COVID. The, uh, her deputy chief of staff, a guy named Drew Hamill, broke the news on Twitter. Because why? Because that's how everything is broken these days. 
After testing negative this week, Speaker Pelosi received a positive test result for COVID-19 and is currently asymptomatic. The Speaker is fully vaccinated and boosted and is thankful for the robust protection the vaccine has provided. The Speaker will quarantine consistent with CDC guidance and encourages everyone to get vaccinated, boosted, and test regularly. By the way, Nancy Pelosi was at the White House with Joe Biden yesterday. The big, you know, ceremony over there. She's rolling around maskless. Mask. She rants, is Joe Biden now have to quarantine? Shouldn't he? These are the rules that these people have thrust upon us. Should they not have to quarantine? I would think that that would be the way that it must be done, right? But uh, it's doubtful that the president will quarantine. If he had to quarantine, he might have to stay at the White House and not go to Delaware this weekend for his secret meetings with medical, although maybe they could sneak in medical professionals. Well, no, there'd be a record of it. I think they'll take him to Delaware. If and I had to guess. Now, I want to play you some audio from CNN Plus. And you go, what's CNN Plus? That's because nobody knows what CNN Plus is. It's their subscription service. It is a so-called comedian named Mona Shakai or something, S-H-A-I. K-H. How you pronounce it, I don't care. She's supposedly a comedian. She's just not funny. She was on whining about, she wrote a piece in Vanity Fair, the Hollywood, as Hollywood Reporter, about Louis C.K., the very funny comedian, winning a Grammy for his comedy album. Uh, because he's, he's very funny. That's the, the catch. That is something that uh, this comedian Mona is not. And she's like, well, Louis C.K. was disgraced because he had uh, done some inappropriate things in front of women comedians. He basically took care of himself in front of them. Um, gross, humiliating and all that. He, did, he basically did what Jeffrey Tubin did, but live. He didn't have the, he did it in front of one woman instead of the entire staff of a magazine. But... Uh, Mona thinks he should forever be shunned from ever winning anything. And so this comedian you've never heard of was invited on to the Weebles program because Brian Stelter cannot possibly provide an hour's worth of content with relevant news. He'd have to talk. If he was supposed to do his job, he was forced to do his job. He'd be forced to talk about how the Hunter Biden laptop is real and Joe Biden is possibly corrupt. And he can't do that. So he is a good liberal. And so he has somebody on to whine about Louis C.K. Now, listen to this so-called comedian. You'd think at some point she'd be funny. You'd be wrong. Gatekeepers is not just limited to the comedy club bookers. It's agents. It's managers. It's representatives. It's executives. They are all part of the problem. The, the issue is that the system is broken and it needs to be repaired. The system is broken. And it, what system? The system of comedy being based on who's funny or not, or the system that the Grammys are awarded on occasion to people who are funny. Hillary Clinton has won Grammys. Michelle Obama has won Grammys. You want to reform that system? No, she doesn't want to reform that system. She wants to change the rules of society so that she's a success because it's easier than putting in the work necessary to be funny enough to be a success. You see how that works? This is how the left always says they want to change the system because somehow they are unable or unwilling to do what is necessary to succeed within the system. 
That's not on us. That's on you, <laughs> lazy piece of garbage. Start by being funny. She's not funny. She's Imagine listening to this woman. This is probably like her stand-up routine. She has a perfect golden opportunity. She sets the ball on the tee to come up with a, a, a possible joke, any number of possible jokes, and, and she just glosses over it. And you can see, you hear this and you go, well, she's not funny. She's not funny. And that's a real problem. I have no idea how you turn around, commit something vile, and then actually then just go and talk about it. And then people applaud you. And then you win a Grammy for it. I mean, what's next? Is he going to get an Oscar for his public masturbation? Like, what's next? How are we? Why are we constantly rewarding bad behavior? Now, there's a great opportunity for jokes right there what's next is he gonna win an oscar for okay you know best actress best there's all sorts of things you could do i mean you wouldn't shouldn't have gone down the oscar route you could have really gone crass it's streaming systems and you know it's not cnn not even cnn not that cnn has broadcast standards but they could have easily she could have easily ad-libbed something and she comes up with what's next he's gonna win an oscar for for uh, uh, masturbating Wow, you, you just said exactly what he did. That's it? That's that's the best you've got. And you begin to see why she's angry. She's not angry at Louis C.K. She's not even angry at the Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences. She's angry that she's unfunny. She just doesn't recognize that that's what she's angry about. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I find it funny that this supposed comedian, comedian's supposed to be funny. This comedian is angry. That's what so much of comedy is now. Watch a Netflix special by somebody you've never heard of. And there are a lot of Netflix comedy specials by people you've never heard of. Or watch, uh, and then watch a Dave Chappelle or a Bill Burr. Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr, their main goal in their comedy specials is to be funny. They don't really give a damn whether you're offended or not, or whether a tiny subset of the audience is clutching their pearls and crying into their uh, IPAs. They want to be funny and they want to make, they want to make everybody in the audience laugh, but they'll settle for making as many people as possible in the audience laugh. Because you sit there and you look and you go, that, that jackass isn't laughing at anything. They're just offended and tweeting about how they're offended. And then you have to go, well, why the hell did they come to a comedy club? Like, what are you doing? But the other comedians that you never heard of that have Netflix specials, they watch one of them. Just it doesn't really matter which one. These, if the more, uh, the lighter, slighter, more waifish the male comedian looks, probably the better as it'll illustrate the point through. But it will not, it'll be mildly semi, sometimes amusing observations about inanimate objects and then some jokes about uh whitey and capitalism but by and large it will just be uh you know making sure that everybody's pronouns are respected and it will have the audience going hmm i know i have a familiar sense of that that rings true to me it's a, it's a, it's like walking into a coffee house in a poetry reading, but it's supposedly comedy now. It's terrible. So watch that crap, and you'll see that why Mona Shikay whatever 
is so miserable and so unhappy with Louis C.K. winning a Grammy, it's because she'll never win a talent contest in high school, and she's probably in her 30s, and she'd go back now and still lose. Pathetic. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I appreciate the use of your hell this week, except for tomorrow at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. Please check us out. Give us a month. We'll take off the weight or something like that. Or we'll make you feel sane. We'll make you feel better. We'll make you feel less bad about how horrible things are. Whatever it is, we'll work with you. Whatever you need to feel. We're like the hookers. We, why am I pluralizing this? It's just me. I'm like a hooker. There you go. Anyway, also don't forget to go to getthetea.com, as mentioned in the open, where you can get life change tea, the tea that will change your life. Enter promo code Derek, D-E-R-E-K, and click apply at checkout. You get free, fast shipping right into your weekend. Super sounds of the 70s. I sound like a a soft rock DJ there. I guess I got to get all that soft rock crap out of my system now as I get ready to record the rip-roaring week in effing review. News talked about, and the people in the news talked about, the way they deserve to be talked about. Please check it out, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. Don't forget to enter to win the signed books. Drawing will be like probably around 2 o'clock on Sunday, so get your entries in by then and be back here on Monday. Thanks for listening. Have a great one.